Now, God, we've come to a time in this service when we open the pages of your eternal word. God, your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. It's food for our spirit person. God, as we gather around the altar that is your word, we lay ourselves bare before you. You know us better than we know ourselves. You know what we need better than we know it ourselves. And we ask you, O God, that you would favor us and bless us today with your presence. Move amongst us, O God, and do what you do. Change lives and hearts. Help us when we leave this place today that I was glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Debbie said, what are you preaching about today? I said, Asenath. She said, who in the world is that? I said, you don't know who Asenath is? She said, no, but I know if that was my name, I'd be hunting somebody to change it. Well, the truth is there is someone by that name. Let's read in Genesis chapter 41, if you will. Most of you who are Bible readers knows that's the story about Joseph, and that's the story about Pharaoh, and it's the story about uh, divining dreams and interpreting dreams and uh, seven years of uh, famine and then seven years of uh, good, fruitful. You know that story very well, but tucked away in that as a little gem that I found early this morning. Let's read from Genesis 41, verse 39. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, Forasmuch as God hath showed thee all these things, there is none so discreet and wise as thou art. Now, you don't realize what a colossal statement that is for a Pharaoh to, to make. For a man who considers himself God to acknowledge another God, and to admit that that God is greater than he. And that that God has done in Israel a, a blessing through Joseph. And that he's now saying to him, nobody has the wisdom you've got unless God gives it to him. You know, that's the whole witness of the church. That the church and its members go out into the world and live life in the world uh, as if people will say, no one can do the things they do except God be with them. That was said about Jesus, you remember, that no man can do the miracles that Jesus did except God be with him. About the disciples, they took note of them that they had been with Jesus. Been with Jesus. Acts 10, 38, how that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth who went about doing good, healing all that were sick and oppressed of the devil for God was with him. And when the people examined these activities of the church, they made this statement that, that it spread no further. They weren't worried about it dying out. They was worried about trying to get a, a handle on, on the, the church and the activities of the first century church. They were winning so many people to God and winning so many converts that the Bible said they have filled this whole city with their doctrine. 
I wish that could be said about Anniston, Alabama, Steve. I wish it could be said about our cities, that they have filled this whole city with their doctrine. I would to God that every person, boy, girl, man, woman, child, whatever, would know how to get saved, would know the doctrine of salvation. And that's the job of the church. For a, a Gentile king who was Pharaoh to make a statement like, There is none so discreet and wise as thou art. Verse 40, Thou shalt be over my house, and according to thy word shall all of my people be ruled. Only in the throne will I be greater than thou. The Bible said that he elevated Joseph because Joseph was a savior for the people. That Joseph knew the interpretation of the dream. And he said, during the seven years of bountiful harvest and plenteous prosperity, he put up at that time, and the Bible said he put up so much grain that it was without measure and without number. That he put up so much barley, he put up so much wheat and so much corn and so much oil from the olive trees, he stored it in such a way that the people were carried through and provided for that whole time of bad times. And that's why I tell you, in the good times, praise his name, and in the bad times, do the same. That, that it should never dictate mood to people who are people of faith. He loves us at all times, and we should have confidence in him at all times. We should believe in him and trust his word at all times. And for this Pharaoh to say, you are going to be over everything. All of my people will come under your rule. For that to be said by a pagan whose God was the son, to say that your God is so great that we're going to listen to you and we're going to listen to your God because your God has given you wisdom and understanding. And he said, you will have rule over my house. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set thee over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh took the ring from off of his hand. That's the signet of royalty. Took it from off of his hand and put it upon Joseph's hand. And arrayed him in vestures of fine linen and put a gold chain about his neck. And he made him to ride in the second chariot which he had, and they cried before him, bow the knee. And he made him ruler over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without thee no man can lift up his hand or foot in all of the land of Egypt. Do you understand what a place of elevation that is? What a place of honor and authority that Pharaoh placed Joseph in? Because he had given a life-giving word. He had given a life-preserving word. Now, there is no greater type, Old Testament type, of the Lord Jesus than Joseph. And Joseph is a savior for his people because he provided for them sustenance and life when they had gone astray and had lost all hope of life. And it was Pharaoh that said, Joseph, you'll be the ruler of all of Egypt. Can you get this picture now? And Pharaoh called Joseph's name Zaphnath-Paneah. Now, don't try to say that. You probably can't. Zaphpath-Paneah. 
And it literally means one who discovers hidden things. One who discovers hidden things. How many of you know that Jesus discovers hidden things? How many of you know that Jesus can look into a person's heart and discover hidden things? How many of you know that Jesus can look at a congregation and can perceive and understand hidden things? How many of you know that the Lord Jesus can meet an afflicted person and can look at that person and can discover hidden things? In fact, the Bible tells us that nothing is hidden from him, that his eyes are upon the whole earth. In fact, the Bible tells that through Jesus and his word, all things consist by the power of his mouth and the power of his word, that he is the maker of all things. He is the creator God, and beside him there was not anything made that was made. And Pharaoh was right in saying about Jesus that he is a discerner and a discoverer of hidden things. Praise God. Can you say praise the Lord with me? called his name Zephnathpaneah, and he gave him a wife named Asenath. And the daughter, she was the daughter of Potiphera, who was the priest of On. Well, that's a strange name for a town, isn't it? On. <laughs> Something just said to me, said, I wonder what it was like to live in off. If you lived in own, that's probably a good thing because own is better than off. Own is better than living anywhere else. Praise God. And the name of that place was own. It was actually a city called Aeropolis. And it was known as being a, a city and a dwelling place that uh, produced blessing and, and prosperity in the gold industry. And Therefore, Pharaoh was blessed because of this house of gold, and Asenath finds herself now the gift of Pharaoh to Joseph. In other words, she has now got to become the wife of Joseph, who is a Jewish savior type, and she is an idol-toting pagan from home, from Aeropolis, a, a city that is known for being a wealthy place. So she has come from wealth, and she's come from prosperity, but she's also come from paganism. Now, in the Pentateuchal materials, you know the Pentateuch is the first five books of the Bible, right? Somebody said we do now. The Pentateuch. There's a wonderful book called A Guide to the Pentateuch. And it's about the first five books of the Bible. Do you know who wrote the first five books of the Bible? Way to go, Susan. Bo Moses. Moses. So then in these Pentateuchal materials, we find often that a bride is used to show a picture of the church, of the living God. Hallelujah. And Asenath was one of those women, one of those brides, that shows what it is like to be a type of the church in the Old Testament. Now, Asenath had come out of paganism. She'd come out of darkness. She'd come out of, out of uh, all kinds of idolatrous worship. And she finds herself now married to 
a Jewish person that's brand new to her that has all of these connections to the law and to law giving and, and offering sacrifice, all of that comes under her purview. And she is now trying to grapple with, do I accept this new God? I've never known anything but the God of the Egyptians. I've never known anything. How many of you know of that in aeroglyphics, aeroglyphics, Egyptian aeroglyphics? There is this picture of one of their gods, and he's in the, in the form of an a eagle and a man's body and an eagle, and he's turned to the side. It's got a bird peak there. You've seen it, huh? That is a picture of their god called Ra, R-A. And Ra is the god that they all uh, worship there. It's the national god of everything. And it's because they believe that all things are fed by the life-giving sun. That light is the true energy to everything. So they worship light and worship the warmth of the sun as their god. And here, here comes this little lady that's going to be wife to Joseph, and she knows nothing about Judaism. She knows nothing, and she's completely oblivious to God. And even if she was introduced to him, she probably could care less because she had no relationship. She had nothing to go on. She just was taken blindly into a place and said, you are now the wife of a preacher. Boy, that'd be cool, wouldn't it? You're now the wife of a discerner of dreams. You're now the wife of the second most important person in all of Egypt. You're now the wife of God's plan of redemption. Now, all of these Pentateuchal materials point to us about women that have played a, a big part. Number one is Eve. What does the word Eve mean? Blank. Mother of all the living. Eve's name is mother of all the living. has to do with creation. So what does that say to us about the church? The church had a creation also. When was the church created? The day that Jesus died on the cross and shed his blood and died a sacrificial death and rose a victorious resurrection and ascended up to God in heaven and sits there today as the mediator between God and man. That's the creation of the church. In fact, the Bible said he loved it so much that he gave himself for it. He gave himself for it. In Ephesians 5 and 25, the Bible says this. Come on, ladies, help me preach. Husbands, love your wives. Boy, that was awful weak. I guarantee you those guys would have done a better job than y'all did if it said, wives, love your husbands and obey them that have to rule over you. You'd have heard these men holler, amen. Tell her about it, preacher. But it said, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify it by the washing of water and by the word of God, that he might present it unto himself a glorious church, 
not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without spot. Oh, I'm tempted just to take off preaching about the church right now, but I want you to understand that church had a creation, had a creation, just as Eve is symbolic of the church, the bride of uh, Adam, so does all of us in this room have a relationship with the Lord Jesus as the bride of Christ. Amen. Well, we know about all these courtships and this marriage that took place in the Pentateuchal materials, and one was of Rebecca and Isaac. Do you remember that one? No. Well, Rebecca was this lady living over in another land, and uh, Isaac had got to be an uh, older man, and his, his daddy thought, well, we better find him somebody to marry. So the Bible said he took a servant, and he said to that servant, Randy, go into a far country and said, go and find a girl for Isaac. And the only thing you got to lead you is God's grace, and God will take you to a place. Now, I don't recommend this kind of courtship. God will take you to a place, and you'll meet the one. And when you meet her, she'll be the one. And you're to challenge her with giving her life and surrendering all that she has and all she is and all she has been and leave that and go marry a man she's never seen before. I hear some women saying, uh-uh, no, sir, mama told me about them kind of guys. So the servant goes into the distant land and he finds this beautiful woman. Boy, she was a knockout. Her name was Rebecca. And the servant looked at her and he said, Lord, is this her? And God said, that's the one. Say to her, leave where you are and follow me. I'm going to take you to your new husband. Woo! Now, what does that have to say about the church? Rebecca represents the call of God. Brother, when she received the call of God, John, she recognized God's voice in that voice of the servant. She realized that this has got to be of God. Somehow she made connection and she realized that God must be in this because those around her said, what are you doing? And they said, he has challenged you to go with them. What are you going to do? And she said, I will go. In other words, she got the call and she answered the call. Could I tell every one of you that are sitting here today that if you're part of the church of the living God, there had to be a time when you were called. For every one of us sitting in this room, there had to be a time when God spoke to our heart and you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that it was God and you knew in all of your being this is God's working and God's doing and I'm going to say yes. If he asks me to go with him, I'm going to say yes, yes, yes. I'm going to answer in faith. I'm going to answer in obedience. I'm going to answer in hope. So Rebecca becomes this picture 
of the bride of Christ in that she was called. There's one more, and that's the lady in our text. We could go on about Moses and the Ethiopian woman that he married named Zipporah, and it made Moses' family so mad that they pitched a fit, and Miriam showed herself, and Aaron said things he ought not to have said. I could tell you about some other wives of other guys in the Pentateuchal material. I could tell you about Rachel and, and Jacob, and uh, I could go on in, in that vein, but Suffice it to say, let's just look at this lady, Asenath. Asenath. You know what her name means? No, but I'm dying to tell you. Asenath means taken from the ground. Taken from the ground. Mother of the earth. It was because Neith, the last part of her name, was a god and was worshipped by her countrymen. And all of her life, she had been called Asenath to remind her that she was born from the dirt and she was born because of this pagan god whose name she bore. Isn't that something? Her, and besides that, her daddy was the pastor of the church where she was going. They missed that, Don. Her dad was the high priest, and his name was Potiphera. So she has this background of idol worship, and she has this background of paganism, knows nothing about God, knows nothing about the Jews, knows nothing about all of the things about Judah or the Abrahamic promise and God's covenant, had no knowledge of that whatsoever. All she knew was... I'm one who was taken from the ground by the goddess Anath. And my name is Asa Nath. Wow. What does that say to us, Pastor? That means that for every one of us, there's a picture of coronation. Because when God called and God touched Asa Nath, he elevated her. Can you imagine from going from a daughter to a priest in a city called On that God took her and made her the wife of the second most powerful man in Egypt? That God picked her up and blessed her by a relationship. A relationship, not who she had been because there wasn't anything appreciable about who she was and who, where she had been. And what she knew, uh, she didn't get picked out because she was smart. She didn't even get picked because she was pretty. The Bible tells us nothing about what she looked like. It just simply says that God moved upon Pharaoh and Pharaoh gave Asenath to Joseph for a wife. Can you imagine the man, man who sits on the throne next to Pharaoh? The man who wears the gold chain. The man that when his chariot rolls down Main Street, people bow their knee. And God made her the wife of Joseph. Can you believe that? What does that tell us about the church? 
it tells us that there's a coronation that God has one day for the church. It lets us know that we've got a purpose, that we've got a plan, that we've got a, a future in God. It lets us know that one of these days God has something better for every one of us. Amen. The coronation is seen in the fact that, that she was elevated. How many of you feel like you've been elevated when God saved you? Oh, Brother Jerry, I took on a terrible burden when I found the Lord. Oh, life was about as miserable as it could get when I found the Lord, and it didn't get much better. But thanks be to God, I've been hanging on. The Bible said in Ephesians chapter 2, Jerry knows I quote this a lot, and you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and in sin, amongst whom also we all had our conversation in the lust of our flesh, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, but God, I was down and out and had no way. I was destitute. I was thrown on the trash pile. I was wicked. I was nasty. I was filthy. But God, who is rich in mercy, with his great love wherewith he loved us, even while we were dead in sin, hath quickened us together with Christ and raised us up. Anybody been raised up? And raised us up together with Christ. And what did he do? Made me to sit together with Jesus in heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding richness of his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Aren't you glad that love lifted you? Aren't you glad the grace of God was extended to you? Aren't you glad that God cast the net in your direction? That conviction gripped your heart and you came to repent and be converted and give your life to God? What a blessing that is. What a blessing that is. And when you look at Asenath's name, you think about all the good things that God did for her and through her. Come on, Olivia, and help me quit. This is probably going to turn into a series because it didn't get very far through the notes today. Pharaoh called him Zathnath. Discoverer. Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh. Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh, went throughout all the land of Egypt, and in the seven plentieth years of the earth brought forth handfuls, and he gathered up all the food of the seven years. One of the great little books in my library is Handfuls on Purpose. He gathered up handfuls. And he gathered up all the food of the seven years which were in the land of Egypt. And he laid up the food in the cities and the food in the field which was round about every city laid he up in the same. And Joseph gathered corn as the sand of the sea very much until he left numbering for it was without number. And unto Joseph there were born two sons. Now listen to me. We're talking about this guy that years before Potiphar's wife 
in lust put her arms around that young man and he ran out of her embrace because he would not forfeit the plan and purpose of God for his life for a few minutes of pleasure. He refused. He wouldn't sell out. He wouldn't give in, Greg. He said, no, 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 no. That's never going to work. That's not God's will for my life. That's not God's purpose for my life. And what do we find in that? We find out that many of us are challenged in our lives to take second rate and second best. But I want to tell you it's worth the wait. It's worth the wait. Don't be taken in by the shenanigans and the lustful desires that Satan may put in your path. Make sure you know in whom you have believed. Make sure you've got power and stamina to look the adversary in the face and say, no, I'm not for sale. No, I'm not for sale. Now listen, it would have been very easy for Joseph just to done what everybody else did. Because in that culture, polygamy was rampant. In other words, it was very, very common for people to have many wives. Especially if you're rich and of affluence, riding chariots and got gold chains around your neck. Hey, there's a lot of women would like to marry you. You're a good catch. But read it, folks. Joseph never married but one bride. One bride. Now I want to tell you the church has got a lot of spots and blemishes. The church has not always been radiant with purity and personal devotion. The church has not always been at its finest. In fact, sometimes it's downright ugly. But God's only got one wife. God has only got one wife. He said, Paul said, I, I have espoused you to one husband. I've espoused you. I've promised you. You're engaged to be married to one husband. And that husband is the Lord Jesus Christ. And one of these days, there's going to be an event in heaven's splendor that's called the marriage supper of the Lamb. And the Bible said they'll come from the east and they'll come from the west and they'll come from the south and they'll come from the north and they'll sit down at the table of the Lord and eat the marriage supper of the Lamb. I have espoused you to one husband. God is committed to the church. He is committed for that work that he began in us. He said, I'm not going to take my hand off of you until I've completed the work which I began in you. He said, I'm not going to divorce you. I'm not hunting another wife. The church is God's wife, God's bridegroom. God is the bridegroom, and the church is the bride. And oh, praise God, you read throughout Revelation, you find out the bride, the bride of Christ, is so important in all of that, that apocalyptic literature. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Made us sit together, elevated us, out of those pits of despondency to have a hallelujah in our heart, to have a praise God in our vocabulary, to have the joy of the Lord in our, our souls. What a picture Asenath is. And 
although he could have been polygamous if he had desired to, and nobody would have said a word, but he said, no, I'm going to have one. And listen to this, and I'm closing. He had two sons. Two sons. First one was named Manasseh. Manasseh. You know what it means? Forget. What was Joseph saying by naming his son Forget? He said, I have been able to forget and put behind me the fact that my brothers betrayed me and threw me in a pit. I've been able to put behind me all the mean things they did to me. I've been able to put behind me that that stint that I served in prison for something I didn't do. I've got got it behind me. I've put it uh, away from me. I've forgotten all of that stuff that happened to me when I was growing up. How about all the loss that I had and all, all the betrayal and all the lying and told his brothers, you meant it to me for evil. You meant it to me for bad. You meant to hurt me. You meant to destroy me. You meant to murder me. You, you went to wipe me out. And he said, but thanks be to God, his grace has helped me put that stuff behind me. His grace has helped me to forget all of that stuff. And he said, every time I look at Manasseh, I'll think, thank you, God, for putting all that stuff behind me. You see, when you allow that stuff to stay with you, it, it, it festers. I said it festers. And every time you, you tell it, it's like picking at a sore. And it just festers and it festers. There's only one thing can happen that will do you any good. It's to take the knife, blade of sanctification and the Word of God and lance that thing. I said lance that thing. Open it up. Get all that pus and all that inflammation. Get it out of there. I said get it out of there. Get all the vehemence and all of the anger and all the hatred and all the grudges and all of that stuff about something that happened to you. Hey, life is like that. That journey when, when Rebecca was on that, that journey getting back to Isaac, the Bible said it was long and it was harsh. It was through tough terrain and mountainous uh, roads and, and uh, a, a way that was dreary and hard. Sometimes life gets like that when you're the bride and you're a spouse to a husband. When you're going to be with the one that you love and the one that you're going to spend your life with. The one that you're going to have a relationship with. The one that's going to be the father of your children. And on that way it gets hard. Life gets hard sometimes. And things happen that there's no explanation for. There are times when bad things happen. There are times when inexplicable things happen. I don't have all the answers. I don't know all there is to know. I've not yet arrived. I don't know all things. Many things happen in this life. I don't seem to understand. But I know. But I know. But I know. Thank God I know. It keeps me going because I know who holds tomorrow. And I know, thank God I know who holds my hand. Listen to me, Randy. This is for you every day. 
is getting brighter as those golden stairs I climb. Every burden is getting lighter and every cloud is silver lined. Up there the sun is always shining. Up there no tear will ever dim our eyes. At the ending of the rainbow, where the mountains touch the skies, many things about tomorrow I don't seem to understand. But I know who holds tomorrow, and I know who holds my hand. Praise His name. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Can you sing it with me? Just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise, just to know, thus saith the Lord. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust Him, how I've proved Him o'er and o'er. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace. To trust him more, oh, for grace. God, give me more grace to trust him more. Hallelujah. I feel God in this house. I feel God in this house. I feel God in this house. Last Sunday, we prayed for Julie. At the time, she was on a ventilator and was at 12. That's bad. That's not good. We prayed for her right here last Sunday. Monday morning, the ventilator was eight. Wednesday morning, she went home. I don't write this stuff, I just tell you. I know in whom I have believed. 
And it is no secret what God can do. What He's done for others, He'll do for you. With arms wide open, He'll pardon you. Because it is no secret what God can do. Somebody in this room this morning needs God to do for you what He did for Julie Owen. Stand with me, please. Come down here, Judy, just like you did last Sunday. You see, the rest of that story is that Julie's husband is now in the same hospital on a ventilator. So my God don't just do it once. He can do it twice. I said my God doesn't just do it once. He can do it twice. God doesn't mind casting your burden upon Him. He don't mind if you got another burden, you can cast that one on Him too. He said cast all your care. All your care. All your care. Every problem. Every illness. Every hardship. Every difficulty. He said just cast that over upon Him because He cares about you. He cares about you. Come here, Judy. God, I come to you this morning for Jonathan Owen. Last Sunday, his wife was in really bad critical condition. This Sunday, he's there himself. God, I know that you're able because you do what your word says. And your word said, I am the Lord that healeth thee. Your word says the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. Your word says, is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. I believe you, God. And I believe right now in the name of Jesus that you're able to touch Jonathan Owen. God, go in that room where he is right now. God, walk over to that bedside. By your precious hand extended, I pray, God, that you would touch him. And release him from that spirit of infirmity that has him bound. Oh, merciful God, let healing virtue flow through his body. Heal and make him well, I pray. And God, we'll give you glory. We'll give you honor. We'll give you praise. For thou and thou art alone worthy to be praised. I give you that glory. Thank you, Jesus. Everybody said it so in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. 
I'm so glad I learned to trust Him. Precious Jesus, Savior and friend, just to know that Thou art with me, will be with me till the end. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, how I proved you o'er and o'er. Jesus, 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 precious Jesus, oh, for grace. God, give us some more grace. Lord, pour out your grace. To trust Him more. God, I pray for Tina and Greg's people. Father, Mother, God, I know that you're able, Lord, to go there in South Georgia. You're able to go in that residence. You're able, God, to speak peace. You're able, God, to let miraculous, holy power from God flow in their direction. Touch them, oh God, right now. You said you sent the Word and healed the people. God, I send a Word of healing. I send a Word of deliverance I send a word I send a word just like that centurion said to Jesus Lord if you'll just send the word God I send that word in Jesus name to touch your people in Jesus name can I do something I should have done last Sunday I didn't do because the time was getting away, but I'm sorry. Joan, I've come back here to pray for you, girl. And I know that God is able to do a miraculous work for you. This lady right here suffers terribly. She has an affliction, has had it for a long time. And it's so painful for her just to walk in this room and sit down in this chair. But she comes to God's house anyway. And I want to tell you, God rewards that kind of faith. God, I come to you right now for Joan. Lord, I know that you are a healing God. You're a healing Jesus. By the blood of Calvary's Lamb, I pray that you'd touch this precious, wonderful, believing Lady of God. I pray that your hand, O oh Lord, would settle down upon her just now and that you would start a work of healing in her body, God. God, your word says, your word says, call upon me and I will deliver thee and thou shalt glorify me. God, I pray right now that you would deliver Joan. God, deliver her 
like that little lady that touched the border of your garment. She said, if I can just touch him, I know I'll be healed. God, if we can just touch you today with faith to believe, then healing for Joan can be accomplished. God, I pray in Jesus' name that you would overshadow her by the Spirit of God, that you would touch her, O Lord, and let her feel the nearness of your presence and the warmth of your grace. Touch her body today, O God, and start a healing work in her today, O God. Relieve her suffering and relieve this pain, God, in Jesus' powerful, holy, righteous, eternal name. Amen and amen. Praise God. Amen. You look for things to get better. In Jesus' name. Amen. Love you, Stan. Jesus, Jesus. How I trust Him. How I proved Him more and more. Jesus, 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 precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust Him more. If God's been good to you this morning, give Him a good hand clap of praise and worship. You feel God in the house this morning? I feel God in the house. Feel God in the house over there, Brother Charlie? Feel God in the house. Amen. You feel God in the house? Doc, you feel God in the house? Yes, sir. I feel God in the house this morning. I feel God in the house. I've been praying for God to do this. I said, I've been praying for God to do this. I thank you for it, God. Lord... Thank you for letting us hear your word today about a little lady that got elevated, that came out of paganism to become a mother of a tribe of Israel. God, you just so wonderfully changed her life, and you can change lives in Anniston, Alabama. You can turn things around for people in Alabama, God. I pray, Lord, that you would do that. In dismissal, I pray that you'd go with us to our homes and our families. Give us a great day. Keep us safe, O oh Lord, from this COVID virus. Keep that shell of protection, this hedge of protection around us, God. And don't let any evil come nigh our dwelling. We love you and we worship you and we're serving you. In Jesus' name, amen.